Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. From hogfanatic.com, I've got Coach Patterson on the line. Hi, Coach, and uh, Jim Hunter is sitting in for uh, Suter uh, today. How's it, how's it going? Good morning, good morning, Captain. Good morning, Jim. Uh, Pat is uh, positioning his, his chair. <laughs> <laughs> that weigh over 15 pounds. No, no, not at all, not at all. And Good morning, now Don. How are you? Everybody's here. Doing okay, Pat. How about yourself? Well, now that I'm in a chair, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Had kind of a wild drive That's in good. here, but well, well, doesn't um, take much to please us sometimes, does it? Yes, it does. So, um, <laughs> well, um, spring football is over now, and were you over there Saturday? Yes, I was. Just um, well, we got a lot to talk about, um, and we do have Lisa Salucci coming on at nine thirty too. So we got a busy show today. Iowa football and Iowa field hockey, which advanced to the NCAA Final Four yesterday. But well, Don, what were your thoughts? I mean, obviously there are so many players injured; it's really hard to make an assessment. I mean, there was half the starting lineup was out. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I thought the headline in the Cedar Rapids Gazette got it exactly right. I don't know if you saw the headline. I did not. What did it say? His heart read, felt like fall, looked like spring. And, uh, and that was very true. It we, did look like spring football. It didn't look like we were hitting on all cylinders. We're definitely a work in progress right now. Uh, the good news is you could say that about most college football teams yeah. at the end of spring ball. That they're also a work in progress. Uh, and I really thought about the reasons why. I think here's some of the most obvious reasons to me that we just looked okay on Saturday. Uh, one was the absence of jersey number three. Tyrone uh, Tracy. Tyrone Tracy uh, was out with an ankle. Uh, he is our most dynamic receiver. And when I say dynamic, I'm talking about a guy that can turn a short pass completion into a big game. Mm-hmm. He's capable of doing that. He's done it any number of times in the past. He'll do it again in the fall. Um, we missed him a lot from a big play standpoint because he's always capable of turning a short gain into a big game. Uh, we also missed Reganey, who was, of course, a very consistent receiver for mm-hmm. us um, last fall. So the two guys that are very, very likely to be the two most productive receivers for us next fall were both not in the lineup. So obviously you're missing some of your tools that you're used to working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, num- number two, uh, I don't think the fans really appreciate how this plays into it, but it was a very windy day. Yes. We all know that. The wind yes. was pretty much coming right down the chute. It was out of the south, but it was blowing pretty hard, you know, maybe mm-hmm. gusting at 30 or so at times. Yep. Uh, and as a result of that, it's difficult for quarterbacks to throw with accuracy because the wind does affect the ball. Uh, even though the wind was up and down the field, a lot of those throws, of course, are thrown uh across the field 
to one side or the other. And, of course, it's a crosswind at that point, more or less, and, and that affects the, the flight of the ball even more. Um, here's what people don't realize. Receivers hopefully learn from what happened on Saturday. Uh, and the truth of it is it's very important for receivers to look the ball all the way into your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, on a calm calm day, it's not such a big deal. you got a, a good feel for the flight of the ball, and if you happen to happen to take your eyes off the ball as it's coming in, then it probably doesn't matter because you probably catch it anyway. Uh, but if you don't look the ball all the way in, uh, then you certainly might misjudge the ball, and we certainly had some of that on Saturday. Uh, another another effect of, of windy conditions, our punter now hopefully understands why a spinning punt can bore through strong winds much better than an end-over-end rugby punt. Yes, he had an end-over-end rugby punt early in the scrimmage. It was into the wind, and the ball didn't go anywhere. No, it didn't go very far. Straight yeah, up. Not by his standards. Yeah. Uh, he did mention earlier in the spring that he's working on the traditional punt. Yeah. Uh, I think last year I read somewhere 30, 39 out of 40 or 38 out of 39 punts were rugby punts. Yes, they were. Um, yeah. So he only had one traditional punt last fall, uh, but he uh, he's already acknowledged that he's working on it. He's got a good strong leg, of course. Hopefully he can get really adept at how to spin the ball off his foot. I think he can get that done over the summer. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, he becomes a more effective tool as a punter, you know, because you don't know which punt you're going to get. No, and speaking of kicking, Don, Kirk is really high on Caleb Shudik. And you can tell, and I thought Shudik under tough circumstances looked pretty good on Saturday. I agree. And I just after the first uh, practice two weeks earlier, uh, I happened to run into Keith Duncan after the, after the scrimmage, after the practice, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to him, I said, you said all along that Shudak was right there with you, and I, I can certainly acknowledge that's true now. After seeing him again today, he he was um, the most consistent performer maybe that was on the field yeah. uh, two weeks earlier. And um, he's got a good strong leg, of course. He handled kickoffs a year ago. I'm sure he'll still do that. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. Uh, I guess there's a possibility, I guess, that jersey number one will be the kickoff guy. I don't know, but uh, Shudak certainly appears to be capable of handling both jobs and handling them really well. Uh, there were a couple of uh, goofy kicks uh, on his part Saturday, but if you go back and look at it, we were struggling with our snaps. Yeah, at one point. Uh, yeah, now I'm right. hoping that was our backup snapper. I, I don't know that. It's probably our starter out there. Uh, but again, the wind even affects a seven-yard snap, or I should say an eight-yard snap, because they're backing the holder up an extra yard nowadays than what they did 20 years ago. Uh, so we had snaps that were off target. Uh, I think that contributed to both of those unusual kicks by shootout. One was a line drive that mm-hmm. did go through. Yeah, uh, Certainly had a chance to be blocked, of course, because it was such a low ball. Uh, the other one missed, I, I think just slightly missed, but that was, a, as I recall, that particular snap was a high snap. And of course, it might destroy your timing a little bit to have to for the for the holder to have to actually maybe um, bring his knee off the ground just to be able to just to be able to feel the snap. So snaps were a problem on Saturday, uh, and for that matter, you saw I think it's our third team punter. You saw him mishandle a snap for the same reason that those receivers struggle. You got to look the ball all the way in mm-hmm. uh, to your hands. So that comes to mind in, in the and the wind aspect of, of Saturday's play, those things all come into play. Uh, number three, and I think this is important for people to understand. 
again, we had Cody Entz and Justin Britt miss yes. on Saturday. Those guys are penciled in, of course, as our right guard and our right tackle. They work side by side. Uh, as a result, our offensive line is not performing with continuity. The thing you have to realize about O-line play, uh, you know, five guys on every snap and every football game need to be able to account for five people. And so uh, the result of that, if one lineman is beaten, uh, then it certainly may affect the outcome of the play. And obviously if two starters are not out there, then you're playing at best, you're playing with your sixth and seventh lineman mm-hmm. as part of that starting group. And then, and of course, they haven't worked together any great length of time. And when I say work together, I'm talking about all five linemen working together, which I think does does make a difference. Here's an analogy that will hopefully make sense to you. A golfer has 14 clubs in his bag, right? Mm-hmm. I'll take your word. At least for he's it. allowed 14, and most most golfers, of course, have 14. Okay. If he's missing a couple of his clubs, and that's kind of the equivalent of missing a couple of starters, or to be more specific, missing 40 percent of your starting offensive line. The analogy I'll use that's a little bit like playing with a few clubs missing. So, just as an example, maybe you're missing your 160-yard iron and your 170-yard iron. And now if you have a shot that needs to go 160 or 170, you're forced to use the wrong club. You're forced to use the 180-yard 180 iron that somehow you have to make travel less lesser distance. So the only way to do that, well, there's several ways to do it, I guess, if you're a really skilled golfer. But in general, you've got to find a way to swing a little bit easier and still get the outcome that you want. So it does create problems when you're missing – uh, a couple of starters, oh, especially if they're playing side by side. Yeah, without question. Well, Don, um, Don, I wanted to yeah, ask you. Um, obviously, this is what fans want to know about too. It's a. I didn't see enough. I mean, the the quarterback situation. I saw two practices. I nothing stood out to me. Good, real bad, or either. I don't think Spencer did anything to lose it. I think the job is his, obviously, and the only way I think there'll be a change is if after two games they're zero two and he's struggling. Then maybe because you know they start with two really tough games, but. The quarterback job right now is Spencer's to lose right now, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's it's obvious. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Kirk did acknowledge after the practice on Saturday that Padilla has closed the gap. Well, he, he didn't necessarily know about, he know what he did was he said Padilla they gaining they, ground on no on wait, wait Don he didn't he I've got the quote he said that he started to say that and then he caught himself right away he said well no not necessarily close the gap he started to he okay. caught himself before he actually. So, I don't know. You can interpret that either way. I mean, what I'm um, – but, yeah, because that was interesting because that was – he, he was getting ready to say that, and then it was like, eh, I don't want to go there. So he caught himself and then kind of reversed course. I got you. I read it somewhere in in the printed um, text of the post-game remarks. But, of course, it might have been – it might have been reported slightly differently than it was said. Actually, I've got the like verbatim. The I wrote a column on 15 quotes from the practice that stood out to me. And here, I'm going to look it up. I, uh, um, but what do you think? I mean, just your thoughts on the quarterback situation. Well, you know, we got we still have um, – we're a work in progress at quarterback also. Um, Spencer needs to understand, and I'm sure he does because he's a smart guy. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be just the best of our quarterbacks. You know, he's really, at this point, he's competing against himself. You know, he's got to be better than he was yesterday and better than he was the day before. So, uh, you know, I remember I had a quarterback years ago, and he was an excellent quarterback, but he was so focused on on uh, his competition that he, you know, if the, if the other quarterback went out and made a big play, then this particular quarterback, who will remain nameless, 
but he did start for us in his career and and played excellent football. Mm-hmm. At one point, I simply told him, "You're focused too much on the other guy. You know, focus more on yourself. You're this is a competition that you're having with yourself. You have to be better than yesterday, better than the day before. So don't get hung up with." with trying to match your other quarterbacks throw for throw, just just make the plays as they present themselves to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what good quarterbacks do. They get the ball to the right guy every time Every time a play is called. It might be something simple like handing the ball off to your best running back, or it might be more complicated where you have a series of reads that you have to have to make before you throw. Okay. And uh, the bottom line is you got to get it to the right receiver and the best quarterbacks do it all the time. Hey, Don, here's that quote. And now that I read this quote again, it's kind of a weird quote for Kirk. He goes, I think he's improving for sure. This is Kirk on Spencer. He goes, I think he's improving for sure. But I think more notable are the other guys kind of closing than he stopped. He goes, I don't want to say closing the gap, but moving into the field of consideration, whatever that means. Gotcha. I, I would have thought yeah. that they were in the field of consideration the moment practice. Didn't you? That's, I understand that talking about your quarterbacks is tough publicly, but that was kind of an unusual quote. Yeah, it is, and now I've got to worry all day about what the field of consideration actually means. Um, I'm just joking about that. Of no, course, I but, know. But, but the truth of it is, uh, um, you know, Spencer just needs to focus on himself. He needs to be the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, don't get into, don't fall into the trap of thinking you simply need to be better than Padilla or, or Hogan. You know, you need to be better than you've ever been. Uh, you know, so never be satisfied. I always, I always said the best players are never satisfied with how they play. I'll give you a specific example. I don't think Marv would be embarrassed for me to say this, but Marv Cook had an incredible football game years ago against Ohio State. We all remember the game. Uh, we remember that, I think it was um, 23 yard touchdown with seven seconds left. He ran over Bo Pelini. Uh, they won the game, but what people forget sometimes is Marv Cook had something like 150, 60 yards receiving that day. Incredible amount of yardage for a tight end. And after the game, I told Marv, and, and I certainly meant it when I said it, I said, Marv, I've coached tight ends a long time. That's the best game a tight end has ever played for me, ever. And uh, he knew I meant it, you know, because I had tears in my eyes as I told him. And uh, And he said, Coach, that means a lot to me, but you're going to be really disappointed on three plays. Uh, and so the point is, he's trying to play a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that I could I could motivate to try to play a perfect game was a guy named Tim Dwight, you know, because Tim had such a high standard, as did Marv, such a high standard for themselves. They're, they were never satisfied with how they played. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to imagine because Marv Cook played in two Pro Bowls. Uh, but what gave him a chance to play at that high level is he's never he was never ever satisfied with how he played. He was trying to play the perfect game. It's impossible to do it, you know. Nobody can go seventy for seventy uh, with how they play. But if you go sixty-seven for seventy, you just played a great football game. Well, that's Let's a good point. No, that's and, yeah, I'm sure Marv will not mind that at all when I tell him. He might be listening too. I don't know. Um, um, so as far as the race, though, it looks like Padilla has stayed ahead of Hogan. I know Kirk doesn't, but just. Common sense tells you the guy's second in the rotation. Do you think right now, from what you've seen, do you think he's a little ahead of Hogan right now? As if, like, if Spencer went down, you think it would be Padilla? Yes, I do. And that could change by the end of August. There's certainly a possibility that it would change. 
but uh, I mentioned I gave the the example of of Chuck Hartley years ago mm-hmm. versus Dan McGuire. Uh, you know, you shouldn't fall into the trap of just picking the guy that looks the best uh, because Padilla doesn't look the best. Uh, by that, I simply mean he's he's a little short Shorter. Uh, compared to the other quarterbacks. Uh, but the, the fundamental question, of course, is who's more likely to get you beat? If your starter's out, the guy that replaces your starter, first and foremost, you got to be sure that he's not going to get you beat. So is he a game manager? Can he make good decisions? Can he um, um, show up and play in, in relief without shooting himself in the foot? And obviously right now, Deuce Hogan's a little more mistake-prone, I think, than Padilla. That That's not a shocking development. You're younger. Padilla, of course, had more time to learn. Um, so I have no doubt that Deuce is going to, is going to learn from his mistakes and and um, and be the his goal. I'm sure is to be the best version of himself come come September. Also, you know, Don. Uh, but right now, it looks like Padilla would be the next man in. I mean, they're going to learn a lot about themselves early. This is a tough schedule to start with Indiana at home and then have to go to Iowa State. I mean, we're going to know where Spencer stands. I mean, these are two big, huge tests for him. I mean, if they're zero two, I mean, it'll be interesting. But just your thoughts on how the schedule works. Well, you know, we got a little preview of it this past year. True. Good we still, point. we played we played we didn't play a non conference opponent. Right. We played and zero and two uh, eight conference opponents, and we were zero and two at mm-hmm. the end of those first two games. Uh, we simply don't have that luxury of starting slowly. In the past, maybe if you're playing um, a one double A opponent uh, in Northern Iowa, of course, Northern Iowa gave Iowa all kinds of good games through the year, and would do it again next fall if they were playing them. Because uh, Northern Iowa is an outstanding FCS football team. Uh, but in general, of course, if you're starting off against a MAC opponent or maybe a Conference USA opponent, um, you got a little more margin for error. You know, you can make some mistakes early. You can maybe show up and play with uh, what I would call a, a vanilla offense. You know, you don't have to put in a lot of wrinkles maybe against those opponents that you're simply better than. Mm-hmm. And you show up and you beat them, and, and you didn't really show much at all in the process of winning that game. Uh, no doubt about it, Indiana and Iowa State, we have to we have to have all uh, all aspects of our of our um, plays in on both offense and defense. We have to be ready to play midseason football in game one and game two because that's precisely what Indiana and Iowa State are planning to do. And that, a lot of that's going to ride on Spencer Peters too. Fair or not, he's the quarterback. It's going to be a yeah. huge test for him, and and it'll be interesting to see how he handles that, and it'll be interesting to see how the offensive line. Handles it because, like you said, two fifths of the starting lineup has been out. Britt and Ince have been out, I believe, all of spring practice. They missed all of spring practice, and that's significant. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, talking about Spencer again, there are things that you know. I appreciate that Spencer plays with confidence, mm-hmm. uh, but but there's nothing wrong with him being his own worst critic too. Uh, and the example I gave you was Marv Cook and Tim Dwight. You mm-hmm. know, trying to play trying to play a perfect game. You can't do it, but you, you aspire to do it. And if you just come close, then you've played really well. You can't play scared, of course. There are times for sure when you when you need to, uh, when you have to force the ball into a tight spot. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a simple example. If it's fourth and ten and you're trying to win the football game on the last drive of the, of the day, it doesn't matter if you throw it over your head and you have no idea where you're throwing it. You better throw it somewhere because if you're about to get sacked, the game's over. Sure. Uh, and furthermore, I, I really appreciate you throwing it more than 10 yards down the field mm-hmm. uh, because it's hard to throw the ball short of those first down markers on, 
on fourth down and, and be guaranteed to make a first down. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's your only option is to throw the ball to a receiver that's open six yards downfield, and you just hope and pray that he can get the other four. But in general, of course, on fourth down, you don't want to leave the ball short of those uh, of that necessary yardage. Hey, um, um, so, you know, praise but- for Spencer. Let's talk about Spencer for a minute. There's are the things that Spencer – uh, can work on and I'm sure will work on. I'm, I know he's going to hear this from Kenny in, in many cases. Uh, he needs to develop better touch. Uh, and the best way I can explain it, uh, you, you don't see too many major league pitchers that throw nothing but fastballs. You know, you've got to be able to throw different types of balls. Uh, there are times for sure when you should take a little bit off your throw. Mm-hmm. Not everything's a fastball. Not everything needs to be a fastball. It shouldn't be a fastball because if, if, if Whenever possible, you need to throw uh, a more catchable ball. Maybe it's maybe it's 90% of full velocity, or maybe it's 80% of full velocity. But most important, it's on target. Uh, it's more catchable. It doesn't go skipping off your fingertips because it was 100 miles an hour when it got to you. Um, you know, receivers will tell you some quarterbacks throw a more catchable ball than others. It's no different than catchers telling you that some pitchers, of course, throw a more catchable ball than others. Uh, so that's one thing for him to work on. Another thing to work on is ball placement. Let me give you an example on Saturday. The interception by Riley Moss. That was a wheel route to the back, but the ball was thrown too far inside. And that gave Riley Moss a chance to react back to the ball and make a play. If the ball would have been two yards wider, it wouldn't have been an issue because he wouldn't have been able to get to it. So, uh, you know, ball placement is very important. And the best way to improve your ball placement is to be really, really consistent with your mechanics. I always talk about having a groove to throwing motion. You know, the ball needs to come off your hand the same way, time after time after time. That's what gives you the accuracy that guys like Mahomes is kind of a kind of defies that because Mahomes throws the ball throws the ball in all kinds of positions. Tom Brady, I think. The better is... example, better example would be Aaron Rodgers, or Tom Brady, or, or Drew Brees. You know that. That delivery of that football is the same time after time, and that gives them a chance to have unbelievably good accuracy. Yep. Hey, I, um, I want to. Uh, I'm sorry to go all over the place, but we're kind of limited on time here, Don. And I wanted to get your thoughts sure. on what um, Kirk. I mean, Kirk was very vocal about his frustration with the NCAA. The NCAA wants to. The recommendations include reduction of full padded practices from 21 to 8 during preseason camp, limiting each team to two full scrimmages and banning full speed collision drills like the Oklahoma drill. Just, I mean, Kirk says he goes. In order to learn how to play football, you have to play football. It's one of the. It's weird. It's a weird. I don't even know what the word is. I mean, they. I understand they want to make the game safer, and they feel that by take, limiting contact, they're making the game safer. But what Kirk's is saying, what Kirk is saying is, you have to have some contact in order to learn how to handle contact during the course of a season. What What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, exactly right. Some people call call football a contact sport. I've always joking he said football is a collision sport and if you're looking for contact sport that would be ballroom dancing um, <laughs> there you go you know, there you go it's, it's a game that's it's a violent game that's played you need to know how to deliver a, a, a hit as well as absorb a hit sure uh, that's that's why it's important for quarterbacks to understand you know if it's if it's first and second down and you come out of the pocket with the ball you need to get on the ground or you need to go out of bounds. You need to avoid hard hits mm-hmm. as best you can. And even if you, even if it's third down, I used to tell my guys, it's third down it is a critical down if you're going to have to punt if you're short. 
I always told my quarterbacks, okay, it's third down, you pull the ball down, congratulations, you just became a running back. you got to go make a first down because otherwise we're going to have to punt. So in those cases, you know, don't don't fool yourself. You're not gonna you're not gonna juke very many people, but what you can do at least is stick your foot in the ground. You know, make one cut maybe, get your pads down. Most important, you're not going to the ground, but you're going to protect yourself. You're going to have your pads down so that those defenders can't stand you up with the ball because mm-hmm. that's how the ball gets stripped out. Is a quarterback gets stood up with a ball. Um, so um, those are things that come to mind for me about about the game is how to protect yourself as a quarterback and, you know, avoid the hard hits whenever possible. Uh, but you got to also understand how to protect yourself. Sure. And, and of course that applies to all positions. Um, Kirk's right. You know, and the listeners may not be aware. It used to be 29 practices in August before you played. And they certainly were not all full, full gear. You know, the first few practices, of course, you transition into full gear you're actually out there with helmets and nothing but helmets for a couple of practices. That 29 number has now been cut to 25. Mm-hmm. So fall camp is already shorter than it's ever been. I think it was reduced to 25 practices back in 2018, I think. So um, here's, what, here's the bottom line for Iowa football. The summer workouts are critical. I'm talking about June and July. We need to outwork opponents uh, in both, both those two months. Uh, and it's simple enough. You ask yourself, I wonder what Iowa State did today. I wonder what Indiana did today. Mm-hmm. Can I actually go to sleep tonight knowing that we did more, knowing that I did more? Uh, so hopefully we can get that done because that's where you improve your, your, um, you know, your your strength and quickness sure. and your and your speed, of course, uh, is in those workouts in June and July. And not to mention, of course, you spend a lot of time throwing and catching, uh, and uh, that's where you really learn your receivers well. Um, but those 25 practices, every last one of them uh, is a premium. It counts a lot. You can't waste one. The mentality's got to be we got to make them all count because we have a tough opponent even on opening day. Sure. Oh, uh, while I'm thinking about, about receivers, some of our young receivers need to learn to squeeze to the ball. And I always use the term squeeze to the ball. If you're standing there flat-footed waiting for the ball to come to you, you're wrong. You need to You need to work back toward the ball because you're – you're, um, if you just sit there and wait for the ball, and we had a, some younger guys that were doing that on Saturday, you're giving that, that defender uh, extra hundredths of a second to break up the pass or even to intercept the pass. So you know, so you gotta you got to help the quarterback out. you got to work back toward the ball. You're not sprinting back toward the ball. Of course, you're just, you're just moving to the ball. You're just working your way. You're still, you know, you're still under control, of course, uh, because you got to adjust your pass into the football too. And, uh-huh. But don't get caught waiting for the ball. Even if the ball is perfectly on target, you still need to squeeze to the ball. Okay. Well, Don, as usual, great stuff. And look forward to doing this late summer going into the fall. I think it's going to be a fun season. Hopefully the stadium's going to be – I think the stadium's going to be at least half, but even closer to normal. And um, great insight as usual, sir. And I'll be in touch, and we will talk to you later. Thank you. You bet. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the fans because I hope our fans realize one reason we're going to be at Indiana on Saturday in the fall is that we have a great home field advantage. That's what I'm thinking. You know, we've had that advantage in general through all these years. For the last 40 years, we've had a, a great advantage yep. playing in Kinnick. 
that needs to be obvious when Indiana comes to town. Couldn't agree and it more. All starts with our fans being being where they want to be anyway. Is right there in Kenny. To and I think they'll be ready. Time. I think they will deliver. Thank you, Donnie. Have have a good week. You bet. Thanks, Don. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Now let's see. Lisa is supposed to call in at nine thirty, and we can interview her. Then we can uh, captain take a break after that. Sure. That just. And flies, doesn't it? Yeah, when he's it on, it's just he's such a font of information and and well, and he coached quarterbacks, he's yeah. coached receivers, he's been a head coach, he's been an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's pretty much done it all. And so now we're going to shift gears to Iowa field hockey, who is now in the final four of field hockey. They've been ranked in the top four pretty much all year, and it's not going to be easy. They go to Chapel Hill next Friday and yeah. play number one North Carolina. Yeah. but hey. You know, there's only four teams left. You're right. Gonna, you're going to be playing pretty pretty good teams. And we've had Lisa on. I think we had her on within the last couple of years. And I'll tell you, what a job she's done. I mean, remember, this wasn't that long ago when this program was, I don't know, what's the word you want to use, Captain? Faldering. <laughs> I mean, in, it was just In shambles? Lo- it was just, well, no, they did have a, ri- I mean, yeah. but it, it, they never were bad on the field. Really. Right. They just had all, all but, the offseason But then stuff. afterwards when all that stuff happened, that man, it could have easily spiraled out of control but man she's held it together and they're back to being a power again and mm-hmm. one of many sports this year and we'll ask lisa about that too just all the different sports it's kind been of, a great kind of feeding off each other's Buckeye success sports absolutely hello hello Is this, this lisa? lisa salucci how are you good coach how are you doing doing all right i'm sure you probably are you got pat hardy jim hunter and captain steve first of all congratulations making to the final four i guess we shouldn't be surprised though because you've been in pretty much the top four all year but just Talk about advancing, and then, of course, the huge challenge you have next Friday. Yeah, we are ecstatic to be advancing. You know, it has been uh, a while since we've advanced to the Final Four. Last one was in 2008, but, you know, this team's been building really since 2018. You know, we were in the Sweet 16 and then the Elite Eight last year, or in 2019, and now on to the Final Four, and going to the Final Four is in our goals every year. Um, and really, we this, this team has been outstanding all year, and played some really tight, close matches. Um, and yesterday was a, a great battle um, and great resilience from our team. And big challenge, obviously, with number one, North Carolina, having to play them on their home field uh, in the semifinal at the Final Four. Um, but, you know, we've we've taken North Carolina the last two years. Arguably, we we're the only team that has really played them that tough. Um, mm-hmm. Overtime, one goal game in the Elite Eight last year. Um, and so, you know, we're ready, and our team's feeling – feeling confident so we're we're gonna ride this high right now well you guys got started uh yesterday with uh, a goal by uh sierra smith and that was her first goal of the year and how did that momentum uh roll you until northwestern answered back right away at that point where where were you guys uh mentally thinking about well i'll tell you sierra last year when we were down here in our sweet 16 game we played on the same field she scored two great goals so she loves (laughs) playing on the field down here at unc and uh, she had a great warm-up, and, man, we put her in the game, and she scored a fantastic goal. And we wanted to start fast, um, especially against Northwestern, because they have unbelievable transition and counterattack. And, you know, they were able to get an, uh, the equalizer on the board. And um, we've been there before with them, you know, in two tight matches this year. So we just had to keep our foot on the gas, and, and that's what we did. And we executed on two really awesome uh, set plays after that to, to take the two-goal lead. I'm just curious, how big will the fans be a factor down in Chapel Hill, yeah. and just—is there any way to do these matches on neutral courts, or what? Just kind of talk about that, and what kind of fan um, participation yeah. is there right now? 
Well, yeah, that's it's a great question. Right now, I mean, normally down here in North Carolina, there it would be packed stands, um, but the stadium this, this past weekend was only 25% capacity okay. and no public ticket sales. Um, but there is some talk. We're getting on a meeting later today that there's some restrictions have listed in North Carolina, so they may open up the stadium. So I'll find that out soon. But no matter what, we have a huge contingent of Hawkeye alums um, that have already been blowing up my phone saying they're on their way down. And if they have to <laughs> stand right. outside the gate and watch, they will. Uh, pretty cool because the University of Michigan is led by a former Hawkeye, um, Marsha Pankratz. So she'll be down here as well. So the Hawks are, are rooting for the Big Ten and you know want to see Marsha do really well in, in Iowa as well. So we're hoping they're going to open it up. Um, we have our fans travel really well because most of our players are from the East Coast. Um, so I really do hope that they're going to have an opportunity to be in the stands. Yeah, how much harder or challenging, I'm not sure harder is the right word, but the fact that Iowa High School doesn't have field hockey, yeah. at least, uh, how much harder does that make your job recruiting? Yeah, yeah, it has always been a challenge, you know, and I, I've been working at Iowa for 21 years, and, you know, it's definitely something that, that we have, we battle each and every year, and, um, you know, we just, we we have a, a plan and how how we market ourselves and and where we go to get get athletes. So you know we it's very played very little in the Midwest, but um, we have a lot of talented athletes from overseas and then you know heavy a heavy group from the East Coast, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, and you know that's where uh, Hawks have come for years and years and years. So you know we're it's a challenge, but we're used to it right now, and it's it's actually like a really when people come to Iowa City, they're like, wow, this is like Oz. That's what we, that's what we hear from people. <laughs> recruits all the time they're like this is not what we thought this was going to be so probably the biggest battle is um getting past the perception of what they think iowa is and if we can get them on campus um honestly we have like about a 90 percent chance of, of of getting them and that's usually what happens so Mark, so uh, they're amazed can, they're amazed by the fact that there's hot and cold running water and stuff like that when they come here <laughs> yes they, they think they're going to be standing in the middle of a cornfield with pigs walking around and things like that and you know, once we dispel those myths and they get to see Grant Field and downtown Iowa City and, mm-hmm. and they really learn about the tradition of our program, they're like, wow, okay, this is not what I thought. And then, you know, they, they want to be a part of it. So, Is that how your recruitment went? I mean, you're from the East Coast, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah, and actually when I was being recruited, you know, luckily Iowa had been in the last six straight Final Fours. Yes. And so I, I got to see them play uh, in the 1990 Final Four out in Rutgers. And I was like, who is this team while they are this this group looks awesome and once i started to learn about about iowa and then came out i mean i was i was sold absolutely so lisa when you i'm not saying rebuilds the right word i think there's been way too much tradition in the eye but after that little rocky stretch there back what did you did you cling to the tradition i mean because there's a huge tradition with field when you were kind of rebuilding this program and getting it back how how did you do that i mean when you went into recruits houses and what have you. I mean, you had a real strong tradition to sell. Did you, can I assume you use that? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, we really had to rely on, we had to rely on our Hawkeye alums who we we have people coaching all over the country, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in division one, two, three in high school. And really the, the challenges of our recruiting those first couple of years was really tough um, just because of what was swirling around. So we did, we, we, we relied on the tradition um, and really how we develop players. You know, there's, we are one of three schools in the country that we have 95 national all Americans that have gone through this program. And there's only three schools in the country that can, that can have, that have more. Um, So we really sell the development of our players, the tradition, and then the, you know, the experience they're going to get and um, being able to play in the big 10. And that's kind of what we, what we clung to. And it was tough. And to be honest, we really had to go overseas. That's kind of when our uh, international recruiting exploded a bit um, because that we had to, 
bridge the talent gap until we can rebuild the domestic recruiting. Well, it's incredible what you've done. And now with North Carolina, can you tell us a little bit about, about what makes it the number one team in the country? Yeah. Well, they have a, a fantastic coach who's been there for about 35 years. North wow. Carolina has not lost a game on their home field in the last 35 games. Um, they're the three-time back-to-back-to-back national champions. They they have the best player in the country in Erin Matson. She is unbelievable. Um, you know, they haven't lost a game with her on the field. So she, her her she's just clinical in all of her skills, um, and they just have a really great complementing cast. So. You know, we, I, I do think they're a little bit shaken in their boots to play Iowa. That's the word I got yesterday from a lot of my colleagues around the country, um, just because of our, our stout defense. And that's what's carried us really for the last couple of years, but for sure this year. So we're going to have to be able to press them really well, um, handle their transition attack, and we're going to have to execute um, up front and score some goals to have a chance. You know, in sports like basketball, football, you, you hear teams, oh, that's an up-tempo team. They like to play up-tempo. Football, yep. well, they like to spread the – is it the same with field hockey? Are, are there d- different styles, and, and where would Iowa fit into? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you, if you ask numerous people you know, who know field hockey, they would say Iowa is much more of a possession-based team. Okay. So, for example, like the last – this this season, we had 90% of the possession in most of the games, um, and we, we just play really, really sound defense. Um, and then when we take our chances, we, we get a chance to score on, on our set pieces. So, for example, Northwestern, they're just all about – they're probably a really fast, high-tempo team. They go for it, take a lot of risks up front, um, but some, you know that leaves them vulnerable. So I, we're a little bit more possession. I wouldn't say we're, we're, we play a slow-based style of hockey, but we're a little bit more clinical with – trying to hold on to the ball, you know, and make people try to come get us. You know, I've asked some of the other coaches the same question. With all the success that Iowa's having in sports this yeah. year, spring sports especially, do you guys feed off that a little bit? I'm sure you pay attention to the other teams uh, and your absolutely. athletes know the other oh, athletes. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're in touch with each other. We're texting each other. We're calling each other. I mean, it's, it's, it has been fantastic through this, this challenge of this COVID year. I think it actually really brought – you know, a lot of the coaches together because there was so much uncertainty, uncertainty and what was going to happen and how are you navigating it. And, I, you know, we have a really tight group, tight-knit coaches group, and I was texting with a lot of them last night, but we're feeding off each other, and so are the student-athletes. You know, they, they want to continue to keep the success going, and they're, it, it just it provides some synergy and energy, you know, and you want to mm-hmm. keep the momentum going. It's been fantastic. As far as travel plans, when do you guys arrive, and how important is it to get onto a field that you're going to play? In basketball, you always hear they want to chest the rims. Is it the same with field hockey, and I assume you'll get down there on Thursday? For sure. There's lots of different turfs. Well, here's the thing. We're we're still here. We just stayed. Oh, (laughs) you did just stay. Okay, then you're there. Okay. North Carolina. Yeah, just because the travel and the the air the airlines everything was it was a big issue to get down here. Sure. So um, the the NCAA wasn't going to be able to get us back until today anyway. So we decided to stay because we'd have to be back Wednesday night. So we're down here. Um, we're not allowed to practice on the game field. So we're actually uh, calling on our friends at Duke University. We're going to practice over there for Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we'll get back on the game field Thursday. But you know, we're lucky that we played this weekend on the field. We're going to play you know next weekend, so, and we we've played here so many times. Uh, the last three NCAA tournaments we've been down in North Carolina. So we're well, well-versed. It is hot. It's supposed to be 90 degrees today. Wow. So we're acclimating, which is, which is good because, uh, you know, all of our pale Iowa, Iowa field hockey <laughs> players were like, what's happening? Uh, but we, we handled it well yesterday. So we'll be okay. You know, we asked Coach Diani about how much his athletes run during the course of a yeah. soccer match. I mean, it's the same with field hockey. How, how, have you ever figured, like, what a typical field hockey player, how many miles she puts on during oh, the course yeah, of a well, game? 
we wear we wear GPS devices, and we, it's a very huge part of our training. Uh, for example, our midfielders and backs that did not come off the field yesterday, they ran about 6.2 miles. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's so incredible. It's, it's and all a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah, in 60 minutes. Yep. Well, Lisa, we appreciate you coming on on short notice, man. you got a lot of fans pulling for you. Good luck on yeah, Friday. So and good luck. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun and good luck. And you've already achieved so much, but I know you guys want more. And good luck on Friday. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. You bet. You bet. You earned it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Go Hawks. Bye. I remember the last time we had her on. She she could do radio. Oh, yeah. She's she's great. She's really good. You know, I don't know of any woman's coach that we've had on that can't do radio. No, you're right. That was 15 minutes that just flew by. Yeah. 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 Well, she's... She's from Philly. I'm sure they got the gift of gab. I mean, the last time we had her on, remember what she was saying? Uh, she was critiquing the Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Yeah. Because that's one thing. People that I know that come from the East Coast, that's one of the things they're like, they just don't do it right. You know, right. You, like one of my buddies saw someone making a Philly, and they were it, putting it in an oven. <laughs> and it was just, you know, you got to do an open face on the... On a grill. Well, isn't, on a there, grill. isn't there like a corner in Philadelphia where there's two cheese... Or no, it's cheese... Uh, is it cheesesteak? Cheesesteak yes, yeah. yeah. cheese uh, 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 restaurants. Oh, they're all over the place, and yeah. they're like, they compete against one My another. My sister used to live out there, and I remember one day we went, she didn't, she lived in a suburb, but we went to the town, and we took probably two hours trying to figure out which Philly cheesesteak we <laughs> place we were going to go to, and we finally, and, and I'm not a huge, huge fan of Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. I right. like them. Sure. But I'm not, they're like, but no, these were good. I mean, these were good, and I remember Coach Salucci was critiquing them because, you know, she grew up in Philadelphia. And she, right. That athlete that she was describing coming here and being surprised, that was her. I mean, uh-huh. she was a big-time recruit, great goalie here. No, it's just a neat story, another one of many stories. We may never see another year like this, sports-wise. It's been. Just, I just wish the basketball team would have won one more game, so the negative Nelly haters, yeah. would just all stop throwing that up against me. You know, if I ever say what a great year this is doing, because <laughs> you know, it, it would have been great if the fans were able to see it too. I basketball mean, still won fourteen conference games, and yeah. that can't just be dismissed. No, that can't be. That's a good season. I mean, that is a good season. Yeah, you'd love to have seen them advance another round, but it didn't happen. But, no, this has been a great year. It's been a fun year, and it's going to be a tall task on Friday. But stranger things have happened. I mean, Well, now with the new president coming in and getting rid of everybody, according to Twitter. You heard she is going to fire everyone? Fire every coach. Uh, yeah. That's under contract. You're gonna have her, you should have her on, Captain. Well, we touched, I have a touch. Wednesdays today. with Wilson. Isn't that her yeah. last name? Yeah. Ask her if she's named after the volleyball. <laughs> yeah. Or the wife of Mr. Wilson. There you go. <laughs> now, Kirk was smart to bring her up. Now, Kirk brought her up because that's what Kirk does. He's a very sure. classy guy. Yes. But Kirk needs her on his side, too. Mm-hmm. He needs, I mean, you need the president. We don't, I mean, she did show at Illinois, Not. but Kirk would, I mean, yes, they had some issues last with race. That's bad. It's horrible. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think Kirk would ever do stuff cheating-wise. I don't think he would no, ever no. violate rules no. or force guys to play injured or no. stuff like that. I, I'm not saying Kirk's perfect, but I think there's a level of character with Kirk that um, that he has. But that was also smart, though, for Kirk to acknowledge that because there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not Reggie Hammond. It's Barbara, it's Barbara Wilson, right? Yes. Yeah. Isn't she in heart? No, you're that's, thinking of Ann and Nancy. Nancy. That's close. I got the last name. <laughs> and being the music geek that I am, uh, Nancy Wilson's uh, new solo album comes out this Friday. Is she the blonde or the yes. big brunette? No, she's the blonde. She's yeah. a guitar player. Does she sing too? Yes. 
they're both really uh, real talented. I didn't mean to say but that didn't sound, but you know what I mean. Yeah, she, yeah. The, I could. I guess I could have just said the brunette. My yeah. bad. My bad. <laughs> that's okay. I'm sorry, it's guys. Okay. Body very, shaming. That's okay. It wasn't very Sam. nice of me to do that. <laughs> you know. So should we well, take a? In all take, fairness, Tim Dwight came here and said you and Tommy were fast. <laughs> yeah. So goes. You should have said, "Well, you're short and bald. Why didn't you come back?" <laughs> you could have fired right back at him. I he know. would have probably Tim would have handled that okay because <laughs> he is short and he is and right now he's bald. I don't know if he was he bald back then. I Hell, think he was he, going you know, bald in high school. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was. Or he too. shaved it. Well, I think he shaved it when he started. He yeah. finally gave up. I mean, yeah. I love the people. Uh, he finally, he finally just gave up. Unlike the people that leave some like around their temples and whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so but See, I'm just gonna be able to grow back my eyebrows. Just, just. You look like Artie Johnson. <laughs> Should we get this call before? Yeah, the break? let's get it. it. Could be uplifting. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. I'm very uplifting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Pat, have you ever gone to the field hockey games? Yeah, I've gone to some. Yeah, when I worked at the Press Citizen, I um, um, covered them some, not a ton, um, but I remember mid-90s, Christy Gleason, early 90s, right when I got here. Yeah, we did cover them some. Well, I have some friends who, well, they don't go because they don't understand it. I said, well, if you go along. No, it's not a matter of understanding. It's a matter of whether you have time or somebody to do it or what else is going on. And then they used to put out programs that explained the whole thing. Yeah, it's not rocket science. But... uh, Uh, the one thing, the parents are all, you know, they all bond together. They tailgate and everything. And when they see you coming to the games, they'll come up to you and thank you very much for coming to their games. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're not a parent, but you're coming there and they appreciate it. No, so, I mean, it's a fun, it's a fun sport to watch. Hockey. No, it's fun to watch. I mean, it really is. I mean, the athleticism and everything. And like I said, I'm just really impressed with how Lisa lifted them from a pretty tough situation. I mean, it, oh, yeah. things were yeah. pretty bleak here four or five years ago. We're always yelling for penalty corners. <laughs> we like those. <laughs> it's like any other sport, man. Blame the officials. <laughs> anyway, have a good week. All right, Karn. Thanks, Karn. All right. All right, bye. Just what, right what we needed before a potty break, Captain. There you go. A little yeah. bit of Karn. And then we'll get back. We'll have menus and music. and <laughs> Maybe you think Suter were calling. He's tweeting. He retweeted a couple things. Yeah. And letting him get on Twitter for a few minutes while he's down there. <laughs> We'll take a break. We'll be back. 1-800-800-ROSE. 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy. Just remember one number. 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist. 1-800-800-ROSE. 800 rows. Remember. For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertine and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. As for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate. One of us is always there. 
Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. You see the same people there greeting you, and they know you. I think of my cell phone. There's not a big distinction there from family to customer. Deary Ford in Iowa City. That kind of relationship that goes deep. Taking care of you, taking care of your vehicle. It's just that growing list of friends, frankly, that uh, that's kind of been the big payoff for me. The ownership experience is going to be four or five plus years. We have to be there for you. Deary Ford in Iowa City. See why people choose them over and over again. DearyFord.com. GT Car, owner of Supel Siding and Remodeling, offers service and quality that is unmatched in the area. At Supel Siding and Remodeling, their trained professionals will install and guarantee the products used in any size job done. Regardless of the project, Supel Siding and Remodeling will stand behind their quality products and installation with exceptional customer service. Whether it's a window replacement, a kitchen remodel, or a house addition, our employees are committed to quality. Visit sales at souples.net or call 337-2246. Car won't steer? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair work in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs. Brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventive maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't steer, See Premier Automotive in North Liberty. Don't let just anyone take care of your smile. At Diamond Dental, you can expect compassion, expertise, and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life. With more than 30 years of combined experience, Dr. Forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems, leaving your smile healthy and sparkling. Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit diamonddentalpc.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care for your entire family. Hey everybody, it's Kevin here from Big Dog Satellite and Solar, your local TV expert, and I want to tell you about Dish TV. If technology, value, and customer satisfaction are important to you, then it's time to cut the cable cord once and for all. Upgrade your TV experience and start saving with Dish today. Drop by Big Dog Satellite and Solar on Blairs Ferry Road in front of Rockwell. Call 3950800 or visit us on the web at BigDogSatellite.com. We are Big Dog Satellite and Solar, your locally operated and trusted satellite TV experts. Hi, this is Steve Anderson with Hawkeye Title and Settlement in Iowa City. Whether it's a crazy real estate market, record low interest rates, or the COVID-19 virus, we are living in unprecedented times. But know that my remarkable team at Hawkeye is literally working around the clock and in unique and adaptable ways to try to make every deal close smoothly and on time. We appreciate your understanding, patience, and flexibility as we power through this tough time. 
We're going to get through this together. Hi, this is Bill Eichsring of the Akshuk Inn. Our doors are open again. Although the way we serve you is different, we're still here and ready to welcome you. We've learned a lot about keeping you and our staff safe. What hasn't changed is our commitment of trust to you and your family. Our Akshuk family is ready to take care of you in our four dining rooms with the same quality of food, attention to detail, and customer service you've come to trust for the past 80 years. Those values are now more important than ever. Now serving family style breakfast Saturday and Sunday with lunch, dinner, and banquets daily. Don't forget, you can still order curbside carryout and take the comforting taste of the Oxyoke home with you to share at your family's table. Visit Oxyokin.com, Instagram, or our Facebook page for menu and weekly specials. From our Oxyoke family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon, and we'll be glad you're here at the Oxyoke Inn in the heart of Amana. The from the Hurtin and Stalker Studios in the heart of the Hawkeye Nation, this is the mighty 1630 KCJJ Iowa City. Hurtin and Stalker Jewelers, making memories, making KCJJ Weather brought to you by the Iowa City Burger Hall on the Ped Mall. With a look at your forecast, I'm meteorologist Ashley O'Connor. Mainly cloudy and breezy today with widespread showers and thunderstorms. High temps are headed for the low 70s. Scattered thunderstorms this evening. A few could be strong. Then cloudy skies tonight. It will be breezy with a low temp around 45. A mix of sun and clouds tomorrow. Breezy again and cooler with highs in the upper 50s. Sunny on Wednesday with high temps in the low to mid 60s. That's weather on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. It's 67 right now. Hogfanatics.com. All right, I've done my part. Why don't you guys carry the rest of the show? All right, well, let's talk Let's talk Cubs. baseball and softball. Cubs, 13 to 12. I watched it. It was like home run derby. <laughs> yeah, quite the pitcher's duel. And we came unarmed once again. Yeah, they were 10 and 9 at one point, and I tweeted that I'm pleasantly surprised, and I think now they're 1 and 5 since then. Something yeah, like that. yeah. But they're st- what are they now? They're... 10 and like 14s 11 and or 11 and 14 yeah i mean that's kind of where i expected that's them to where be. they were projected to be at that's the end of the month that's what they're going to be i will tell you though chris bryant is earning some money yeah finally he uh, last year now, and still year early before, yeah he needs to but if he can sustain somewhat close to this level of play throughout the season i mean it'll be interesting to see because i don't think he's going to be back with the cubs do you? 12 and 16 they are okay do you think bryant's going to be back uh, hard to say that I, they all of a sudden the purse strings are are getting pulled tighter and I don't know that they're going to want to pay him. But I also yeah. don't want to pay Chris Bryant like two hundred and fifty million dollars. No. I, no. I mean the Mets are paying Lindor three hundred and forty one million. He's hitting like one seventy. Hello, a- hey guys, Chris Lehman. Hey Chris, I don't know if you talked about softball. I was kind of away from the radio. We but, were ju- uh, we were just about to, so we'll let you take it over. Yeah, we we had the field <laughs> hockey coach on, but yeah, softball sweeps uh, uh-huh. sweeps Rutgers, and Allison Ducey throws in. Yeah, go ahead. Tell. I mean, we actually had the story yeah, up on so, Hawk uh, Fanatic today. Um, I w- we yeah we swept them. We played our bats came alive. Um, Friday night we we won eleven to eight. Sarah pitched through five, and. Lauren Shaw, our left-hander, came in to close, and uh, Air Lee Bogar, a 137 hitter, slapped a, I think it was her first career grand slam, and uh, like I said, our bats really came alive. Saturday, Ducey pitched, uh, we won 9-1, to she had her 700th career strikeout, mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> which I think she is only one of six in the his program history to do that. Um, 
Second game on Saturday, Lauren Shaw pitched, uh, 6-2 win. Um, again, our bats were just phenomenal. And then Sunday, um, 8-0, Ducey has her, has her first career no-hitter in five innings in an 8-0 victory. Hawks are now 20-16. and 16. I would be very, very surprised if Riley Briley Klosterman is not the freshman Big Ten Player of the Week. I think she went 13 for 17 she at the plate. Hit wow. 692. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. She is on fire. And uh, um, well, we her have parents are tra- her we- parents are our travel partners, but we didn't go to Rutgers this week. But. Uh, Shout out to the Brian and Andy Costner. Well, under normal circumstances, we would have picked her as the Hawk fanatic. But with what Allison Ducey did, I mean, it was like mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't go wrong either way. But no, Bradley Klosterman, yeah, yeah. I've said this before, she's the best hitter I've seen in high school softball. I mean, just her yeah. ability to make contact, her quick wrist. I mean, she's incredible. And it's neat to see local players leading the team. It really is. Yeah, and I, I spoke with uh, Bradley last week when we were in Minnesota. She said she emphasized how different the pitches are from when she was number nine hitter to now number one, but she has just excelled and very proud of her. No, local, great local story. Yep. Very Liberty. cool. So, okay, guys. All right, I Chris, thanks. Check in. Yep. Okay. Thanks. thanks a lot. But yeah, no, it was tough. I mean, Ducey gets her 700th career strikeout and night gives up one, I think one run and then she throws. Yeah. It was tough. But then I'm saying, God, Bradley Klosterman was 13. I mean, you couldn't go wrong either. <laughs> I kind of, I guess I went with a veteran, but yeah, under normal circumstances, Riley Klosterman would have been an easy choice for the Hawk Fanatic Athlete of the Week, which yeah. is sponsored by Shields, which is something we greatly appreciate. And Captain, I noticed now you're saying now, you're saying Tammy Rao now, not Roe. I heard yeah. that coming in. Yeah, that, I always thought it was Roe, but it's Tammy Rao. Well, yeah. when we first, if you would look at it, it was, it, it looks like a B roll. Oh, without question, because it is. Yeah. I mean, that's how it spilled that way. But yeah. no, it's how it's Rao, and I found that interesting that you've changed. Way to go! Well, we were going to change it early on, and then she said, "No, leave it." <laughs> She's the boss, and then, and yeah, then she so, said, "Change it." So yeah, we changed yeah, it. I'll yeah. tell you what. I, I'm you know not to turn this into the Tammy Rao show, but anyone. One thing I've noticed as you get older, the friends that have always been just a little bit older than you are old. Yeah. And I've I have a lot of conversation, and I always I always tell them about Tammy Rao uh-huh. if they're moving in because, like you say, Captain, it can be a complicated, tough time with insurance and everything. Right? And she makes everything so simple for a moron like me, and that's what I appreciate about her. And I'm sure it's probably the same way with you, Captain. Not saying you're a moron, uh, but I, I mean, you just I'd be, called me a moron. I'd be lost without Watch her, it. though. In the, I mean, the health insurance industry can eat you alive. It's just yeah. you know, it, I'll be quite honest with you, I. I Jan handles it. I don't know what we've got. I know that it's not enough that if something would happen like to Jan mm-hmm. or to me, that the other one wouldn't be accused of law enforcement <laughs> for, for knocking them off for the insurance. Well, it's never enough, as I'm going to be reminded when I get my bill for my part of the uh, hernia surgery. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sure they're going to be saying, hey, we need either. Like I said, I'm estimating somewhere between five and ten grand will be coming out of my pocket. But. It is what it is. You gotta you gotta deal with it. It's our health insurance is I, the way I did was I elected to pay less monthly uh-huh. 
But then they're either going to get you, okay, if you're going to pay less monthly, then your out-of-pocket's going to be way higher. Right. And I chose to do that, but I had to get this done. And it's just, they're either going to get you either way. You're going to have to pay your part either way. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And uh, they're all, there's all these different tiers where, you know, your out-of-pocket may be higher, uh, but it covers your prescriptions better. And maybe your ER yep. uh, ER visits are are more than 50%. But I'm guessing covered. my insurance is pretty similar to yours. And you yeah. told me what you're, you're paying and what have you. So it is what it is, but... I mean, someone's got to pay them because I'll tell you what, they do a special, I mean, Dr. Radcliffe, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, we'd be lost without him. I mean, yeah, he did. He's good. Uh, he did yours too. Yeah. Wonderful okay. doctor. Yeah. No, a wonderful doctor and the whole staff, the whole, everybody around, yeah. they're, they're just so top notch. You know, when he released me, I wanted to hug him, but you know, we're in a pandemic and I said, you know, he's, I'm just telling you, I'm really pleased. And, and he I, probably said, thank God for that pandemic. <laughs> yes. Why don't you move on there? <laughs> You know, even though he had his hands in my guts, he's really not a touchy-feely kind of guy. So, so but, all right, enough hernia discussion. Um, but the softball team's back home this weekend. They play Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And didn't uh, we say last week or somebody said last week they'd be really surprised if because the schedule looks well, pretty Well, they got easy. some winnable games. Yeah. I mean, they've got some games that they – I mean, and Rutgers isn't very good. Right. But Iowa showed that Rutgers isn't very good. They swept them. They, you can't do any better than winning every game. So yeah. Iowa took advantage of a, of a spot there in the schedule, and they needed to do that. So, yeah, they got some momentum now. They're four games above 500. So yep, that's just awesome. another really cool story with all the sports going on this year. It's yeah, just been quite quite a year. This is the first weekend that the baseball team lost a series in five weeks. Yeah, and they lost to the second-place team in the conference. Yes. I'm not making excuses, but it's, it, you, know, you can understand – why it happened, and of course, the NFL draft. Let's see, you had Chauncey Golston was the first player from Iowa to go off the board, yep. third round to the um, Dallas Cowboys, and Amir Smith-Marcent went in the fifth round to the Vikings. And then right after him, Davion Nixon went in the fifth round to the Carolina Panthers. Then Nick Neiman – or um, who, who picked Nick Neiman? God, I know I'm drawing a blank now. Where's Dockerman when the I Vikings? need him? Um, Google it. You can, yeah, um, and, I'll do it. and then they, I believe they have 12 players all together that were either drafted or signing free agent contracts. Yeah, there's a good, good uh, bunch of uh, free agents. A lot of people are making a big deal out of Brand- Brandon Smith had a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw it now. Let's see if I can find it. And, um, and I got, you know, I'm not, he can tweet whatever he wants. And I, you know, but it, it's being interpreted. Chargers. Okay, it's being interpreted as though that he wasn't really allowed to do his thing here at Iowa. Now, I will say, in fairness to the coaches, Brandon Smith was hurt a lot last year. And let's see what his tweet is. There's a a tweet about him making a really good diving catch, uh, that diving catch he made against Penn State where he jumped over the defender and caught it. And then he embedded that tweet, and then he goes, honestly, should have been doing that a lot more, but, and then it's an emoji of someone saying, you know, what do you do? Well... He was hurt a lot last year, and well, I will say, well, all Iowa does is run the ball. They threw the ball 50 freaking times against Northwestern. There was a lot of chances for receivers to do stuff. I see both sides of it. I can see maybe he's frustrated, but, you know, I in this instance, I kind of defend the coaches. I mean, they try to throw the ball. I'm not saying they have the most sophisticated offense. I'm not saying they have the great best pieces always to throw the ball. But I don't think – I mean, they do try to throw the ball. They're not just a ground and pound. They can't be because lots of times they can't run the ball. Yeah. I think that's a big misconception about Iowa football is just how one-sided their offense is. That's not the case. Hello? I think Jim caught it, didn't he, the Chargers? Yeah. Yes, yep. Okay, good job, Jim. Yep. Uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I didn't hear our 
field hockey coach being asked who she might fill Kinnick with. Well, we had her on. We had her on last year, and we asked her, and I can't remember who she said. So we only usually ask him the first time we have him on. Yeah, Marilyn Manson, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was that. I can't remember who it was. I was just interested. Kid and play. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's kind of Tom's. That's what Tom said. He goes, "Well, ask him the first time, then we won't repeat." Right. But here, let me see. I, I'm trying to find a list of some of the, um, um, Iowa. Uh, Sean Byer, I know, signed with the um, uh, um, Denver Broncos. I saw that one, but yeah, I believe it's twelve altogether. And um, what you remember, Manny Ragamba, former Iowa defensive back who transferred. Yeah. Um, breaking Manny Ragamba, the first Rwandan to make the NFL to make it to the NFL from the Miami. Now he still has to make it. I mean, he. I mean, he. I mean, he's got a chance, but he hasn't made it yet. But that's pretty cool. Um, Barrington Wade, linebacker, is going to the Ravens. And um, let's see. And here you got. Let's see. Brandon Smith, Dallas, Mackay Sargent, Tennessee, Alaric Jackson. This is the surprising one. We'll talk about that. The Rams, Coy Cront, Green Bay, Sean Byer, Denver, Jack Heflin, Green Bay, and Cole Banwart, Tennessee. The Alaric Jackson one, I don't claim to be a football expert by any means. I, mm-hmm. But to start for four years at left tackle at Iowa under Kirk Ferentz, to make second-team All-Big Ten and to make third-team All-Big Ten, but not to get even drafted, one of the 259, that's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. I don't know what he was missing. He's got size. He's got finesse. He's got credentials. He was suspended for one game, the pinstripe bowl for violation of team policy or whatever. That was four years ago. That's Mm -hmm. the only... So I just... That one surprised me. Davion Nixon dropping in the draft surprised me somewhat, but we knew it was coming. I mean, you could just tell. Back in December, he was a first-round pick, according to many. But my guess is NFL teams did some research and maybe didn't like some things they saw. And, I, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable enough saying anything on the record. I mean, there's talk out there. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, there's some of it's documented and what have you. But I don't know if it were character issues or not. But something caused him to drop. He's not injured. So, I mean, common sense tells you that there was some, maybe some, they had some concern. I don't know. What do you think, Captain? I Well, first of all, I think that uh, uh, people in uh, – in Atlanta, uh, had better take cover because there's a tornado heading for downtown. Oh, downtown geez. Atlanta, Georgia? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. Usually those buildings usually break those things up. Yeah. 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 So, but no, the Davion Nixon one, obviously, now he's got a chance to prove people wrong. I mean, he obviously is a first or second round talent, in my opinion. And to go in the fifth round, I mean. Sometimes you just can't figure out. I mean, you just can't figure out rhyme or reason for some of it. You can't. And like I said, there's rumors out there. And I know The Athletic wrote something about him being removed from the dorms and whatever. But I just, I haven't written any of that stuff because nobody will say anything on the record. And it must not have been too bad because Iowa allowed him to play. Well, and you remember how shocked you were that CJ went in like the second round. Um, CJ. Bethard? No, he didn't go in the second round. I'm sorry. Round. Um, I think he went in the fourth round, and I thought that was earlier than I thought he yeah, was. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but CJ was, did, yeah. I mean, um, CJ um, obviously didn't have any, there was no room. There's been rumors about Davion Nixon for a while, but CJ didn't have any rumors. I still did. I just didn't think he was going right, to go that. Right, he wasn't, yeah. San Francisco he, took him. I believe it was in the fourth round, I believe. Yeah. I don't follow the draft as probably as closely as I should. I've just just never really been a big draft fan of any sport. I Were you surprised that Keith Duncan didn't no, get a uh, signing? No, well, kickers don't. Uh, oh, sign as, as far as signing a free agent? Yeah. I guess, yeah, but I still think he could. I mean, yeah, there's still I mean, time. kickers are. Keith's biggest problem is he just doesn't have the leg strength. 
He's uh, accurate up to 50 yards, but in the NFL, you got to be accurate up to 60 yards. That's true. You make a lot of money kicking field goals beyond 50, and when Iowa needed a 52-yarder, they went to Shudak last year, and he missed it, hit the upright. But, no, I think Keith was a great college kicker, mm-hmm. very accurate, very poised, but I think just the lack of overall leg strength is kind of why he doesn't project in the NFL. That's, uh, just, my, that's just my thoughts. I didn't think about that. You're right. But he um, still had a great career at Iowa, and – I mean, a lot of free, a lot of guys make it as free agents. Just you just need to get with a team, and everyone's saying that Alaric Jackson is the perfect fit for the Rams. What they need right now, so mm-hmm. maybe it works out better for him to be a free agent than a sixth or seventh round pick where he's told where to go. Because this time he gets to pick where he's going based with his agent trying to find the best possible place for him to make a roster. Yeah, but I hope he does because he was a very nice kid, very soft spoken while he was here at Iowa. But to start at four years at left tackle, that's I don't think it's ever been done before. I know it's never been done under Kirk, and I don't I don't believe it's ever been done in the history of the program. And for him to have done it, that's that's you don't do that by accident. So, all right, so we've uh, covered the. The uh, baseball and the softball, and the both uh, both teams are going to be home this weekend, which will be kind of cool. Um, who does baseball play this weekend? And what's the weather supposed to be like this weekend? Not bad. Can't believe it's going to be in the fifties tomorrow. Uh, Penn State, they got Penn State. Uh, baseball should be Penn State's not very good. Yeah, okay. That's a series where Iowa needs to win win the series at minimum. If they could sweep them, great. Penn State's just not very good. Yeah, and I mean, right now you've got Michigan, Indiana, Iowa. Those are three of the better teams in the conference. And, um, God, the last time I saw Minnesota's 4-23. and 23. Wow. And that's a Big Ten power that is really down. But, like I said, that Coach Anderson, I think his days, man, he's been their head coach since 1982. Think about that. That's I was in high years. school. I was in high school when that guy started yeah. as the head coach there. That's a <laughs> long time, a very long time. I was just getting out of college. Yeah, so um, – but, no, there, yeah, lots of stuff to watch this weekend, and things are – I mean, Saturday's thing with Luca and the women's team, it was neat. I mean, and it just shows – think about where we were a year ago at this time, early May. Think about it. We were having guests – Gatons was getting us guests on the radio because we had nothing else to do. Right. Remember that? Right. We, I mean, you, yeah. we were all kind of freaking out. How are we going to do this I show? I came – I went summer. here and I went to Hy-Vee. That's all I did for three, four months. Yeah. Nothing. Didn't see anyone in my – I mean, it was just, but so we've come a long way. We still got a ways to go, but the fact that they were able to have fans at Kinnick and have the basketball women's team honored, the men's team with Luca, and then actually we were supposed to interview Kirk on the field afterwards, but it was so windy they had us, they went up to the north end zone and we had in persons with the players for the first time in a year. We had video we could shoot and then oh, we had Kirk. Awesome. So, so yeah, I mean, progress is happening. I'm getting my second shot on Saturday and, and I think I'm thinking that we're going to be over half full for, games this fall and i'm of course i think they're still going to be encouraging mask and i think a lot of people will wear will wear masks in the stadium and then they'll take them down over there of course but i do think we're going to be over half full for fans for i think fall. so i just think things are yeah. trending in the right direction well right johnson now. county's at 52 percent of eligible uh population fully, fully the prob- vaccinated i know but the problem is we get a lot of people that come in here oh, I, and the yeah. state is uh, is uh, sucking wind on vaccinations now mm-hmm. and uh she just turned down uh vaccine uh the governor and uh north and, and northwest iowa i would not say it wasn't her vac- fault yeah i'm it, guessing northwest iowa fault. i'm guessing there's not a lot of vaccines going on in northwest iowa 80, no. 88 of 99 counties 
turned away either all or part of the How, vaccines. Yeah. And most of them did it for political reasons. Even yeah, though they're, they're Republican. But counties. what I don't understand, though, Captain, is their messiah got a vaccine. I, that's, it doesn't make any sense. But, you know, the guy won't say to get it. Uh, he kept it a secret when he got. But you notice he got he it. got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then when he did say he encouraged people to get it, he always does that kind of stuff so offhanded that it's a, yeah, a clue. Said, well, to, it's a clue to it's his your culture. choice. Yeah, I, I'd encourage you, but it's your choice. I'm getting yeah. my second one on Saturday, and I have two hamburger patties waiting at home to barbecue on the grill. So if I eat both of those, that does that mean that I can't eat another hamburger until August? <laughs> you, know, you know, that's the biggest. This that's crap. the biggest pile of crap. Because wasn't it one hamburger a month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bunch of. That's the it's biggest just, lie. The whole deal is just, you know, it's just like the infrastructure thing. Other than broadband, uh, you know, it's the same damn. You know, if you equate the the costs, it's the same thing that Eisenhower did, and, and it's just didn't Ike build the highways? Yeah, he built the, he built the highways, but he also uh, helped uh, schools and rebuilt schools and everything. You know. So before Interstate eighty to get to Iowa City from Des Moines, you took Highway six, right? right. Yeah. Wow, that I and not a good one. I can't imagine. No. <laughs> Looking back, are you surprised it took us till the fifties to do? Well, highways, freeways? Yeah, well, I remember, you know, uh, going to Chicago um, before they finished all the interstates there and the, the tollways and stuff like that. You know, it took forever to get up there. Well, when was Interstate 80 built? Uh, in the 50s, wasn't the, it? Yeah. Eisenhower wanted a corporate tax rate of 90%. Oh, yeah. No, Eisenhower... Went says, far above what? Yeah, what now that's a little. That's well. Ridiculous. He said corporate tax rates. I'm just reading off of this. Yeah. This thing, corporate tax rate creates incentives for big business to spend earnings and expand, like new locations, new hires, new equipment, and product research and development. But it does seem a little extreme. Which are deducted from no taxable idea. earnings. Better to spend a majority of earnings on expansion than to hoard it and pay Uncle Sam ninety percent of it. It's not communism. It's responsible economics. Ninety percent is a little a little high. I I would agree, but. I'm I'm looking forward you to my hamburger. A, yes, you should get a I'm tax break uh, if you're investing. I'm getting a grill. You're getting a new grill. Yeah. That's right. It's yeah. when is it coming? I think I think this week. So Jan can start cooking again. Yeah. You don't grill, do you? I do on occasion. But she does the yard, the gardening, yes. the cooking. Yeah. Okay. So yesterday, <laughs> who changes the kitty litter? Huh? Uh, we take turns. So yesterday, really. Okay. Yeah, what, what but your, this is the what deal. Year, what year is your turn She folds up? the clothes now because I don't fold them right and then gives me the basket, tells me to take it upstairs. So I take it upstairs and I put them away, okay? And then she opens up the, uh, you know, the door of the closet and looks at how I put them away and turns them around. So, so you can't even put your own clothes away correctly? No. So, no, they have to be facing this way. I don't do anything, and I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about it. It's just that I have tried to help. Well, you have tried exactly. Yeah, and you are being. You're saying you've tried to help, but she just. She should. It's never good enough. Right. Yeah, it's just not right. Why get into an argument? Then I guess the best thing is just not to help. Right. That's and it works out for both of us. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not bitching about it, but. Have you gotten any updates from Souter? Um, yes. I'm, I'm guessing he's laying face uh, first in the face sand right first now. In the s- no. Sand with. No. Um. He's wearing a scuba mask though, so he can breathe. <laughs> yeah, he's got a snorkel on. 
<laughs> Back's all sunburned. A circle and a, a snorkel and a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> and what, he gets back in August? Is that what you Yeah, right some before classes start? start? I believe he, he, he touches down like 30 minutes before <laughs> the opening football game. <laughs> and, he touches, and then he goes right to the stadium. Right, tailgate, exactly, right? yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> But no, so another spring football is over. Now it's weird. So things kind of slow down now. Let me ask a dumb question. Summer conditioning, it's not these players are not all on their own. They're still oh, no, supervised no, no, workouts. No, they're, they just, tightly, they're just not tightly on the supervised. Field. They're just not, yeah, there's just no team activities as a team and no football. No, it's all, but that off season stuff is very detailed. They're very meticulous about what they do and. What have you? So, so but, are they meeting right now? The coaches going, okay, we got it. This guy's oh, got to work on this, and yeah, this I, guy's got to work I'm on this. I'm guessing the coaches are in the office. I don't think Kirk's like, hey guys, take a week off, or whatever. <laughs> no. I, now the other thing is recruiting. I oh, mean, right, you know, of that's a, that's a nonstop thing, and that's a that is a big challenge too, and that's a big part of it. But but for the players, no, the off season is important because you are on your own a lot, you know, mm-hmm. more so. But the weight training staff still has tight supervision over what you do and. So, but this is an important phase. I mean, the, the off-season conditioning is a big part of it. Yeah, they get about what six weeks off a year, maybe the football uh, that, team. I don't know the exact numbers um, you know, between but the breaks and that. It's stuff. nothing like it used to be. I remember when my brother played at Iowa in the late seventies. I mean, when classes ended on May fifteenth, he came home for the summer. Right. And he lifted weights and talked to his assistant coach on the phone. Okay, yeah, I'm doing this. But no, it was you were completely on your own. It's yeah, completely chipped different now. I mean, I, something to be said for the old days. I think sometimes the new wave can be just a little bit too much, just nonstop year-round. The old days, you got to kind of go back and live your life a little bit in the summer in yeah. your hometown, or you could stay on campus or whatever. But now it's just like NFL. It's just year-round. Mm-hmm. Year-round to compete at this level. I mean, it's a major commitment. It really is. Well, and, you know, what we've seen is uh, all the teams are making that commitment because we've had a just an outstanding year of uh, – of great uh, teams and great records. No, no, you're right. It's been a memorable year. Have you guys been watching the CNN's the late night thing on late night? It just I premiered just, last night, right? Yeah, I, just yeah, re- I watched. I, watched I recorded it. it. It was pretty interesting. I had no, hadn't really followed much on Jack Parr. Didn't realize the influence he had. Yeah. And but yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I've I've always had kind of an interest in the late night television. Johnny Carson talking about going out on stage for the first time, and I didn't realize. That Ed Ames is credited with making Johnny Carson just from yes. the hatchet. Really for the yeah. hatchet. That they said the way Johnny handled the laughter after that, that's the night he became Johnny Carson. Well, yeah, yeah. because I remember, and I don't know why I remember. My folks used to talk about Jack Parr. I was too little. Uh-huh. But I remember when uh, Johnny Carson went on that show and people were saying, you know, my folks and uh, were saying he's too dry and... I, right. The critics were saying it's like too Twitter. dry, and yeah. then yeah, well, yeah, they were really critical of him. Uh, and then that Ed Abe's it, thing it changed happened, overnight, and he saw the reaction. And yeah, that well, the way they they talked about how he milked the laughter. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was uh, uh, emulating his hero Jack Benny, who and was always also, great yes. about that. And it also helped that Ed Ames handled it great too. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was great the way yeah. he laughed. It. A pretty, I just didn't realize that that's the night Johnny Carson became Johnny yeah. Carson. I didn't either. And then the rest, that was 1964. Yeah. And then Did the they rest, talk about Steve Allen? Yes. Oh, yeah, they had a huge thing on Steve Allen, like when he got dumped in the pudding and the jello. Yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> the, they, Steve Allen was a major part of last night's show. 
Steve Allen was great too. He came back and did a show for Westinghouse, and he looked like Charles Nelson Riley. And, and he was just—it was just a funny show. It was syndicated, and it—and it was great. It did—it did pretty well. Well, they talked about how he—they wanted him to be more like Jack Parr was a conversationalist. He wasn't right. a comedian. Yeah, and they wanted Steve Allen to do the same. And Steve Allen—they showed a, a an excerpt of a, a memo he sent back saying, "Guys." This is not me. I want to be on to make people I'm an laugh. That's what yeah. I, and they finally caved in and let him do it. Hello. Yeah, fellas. Uh, one more good story from the weekend. The Iowa golf team. That's right. Yes. Second in the Big Ten tournament by one stroke. Wow. And had the and medalist. Iowa individual golfers finished one and two. Yep. That's, that's um, awesome. Was it Mac McClure? Is that the name I'm? Yes, clear. Yes, and then Snacky, who we just had on last second. week, yeah, yeah, he finished saying, "No, great story, another one. Thank you for reminding us." And uh, once again, uh, that only solidifies her. Um, Alex uh, Shockey from the uh, PGA University rankings, mm-hmm. and if you remember uh, with Coach Stiff, anybody in the top fifteen will get exemption into one of the PGA underturn. That's uh, really cool. Wow. So it's a great story. Um, and I think uh, uh, just. <laughs> Outstanding because Illinois is a top ten team. Mm-hmm. Probably will be in the national finals. They have been for a number of years. Got a great coach there, Mike Smith, and they do an outstanding job and have a number of player former players playing on the PGA Tour. Yep. So, congratulations to the Iowa golf team for a, a great weekend. Yeah, I mean Tyler took over a good program forward. and has sustained it. I mean Mark Hankins built this program and Tyler has sustained it. No, men's golf's been good for a while now. Yes. Yes. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you, fellas. Yep, good, thank good you. Show. Yep. Bye now. Yeah, no matter what I try, and then I always seem to forget because there's just so <laughs> damn many. To, I know. I mean, this is a great. It really is. Yeah. And that you know that always brings me back to the conversation with Gary Barta. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Gary. That's when people ask me why is he still got a job. Well, because yeah, look, look, exactly. he's always been good at fundraising. Yeah, and he's made some mistakes. The grease bomb and Jane Meyer stuff was a mess. It was a disaster. Yeah. He, some people believe he should have been fired. Just right. I don't agree with that, and I do think now the hire. A lot of these hires are him. These are his his hires, and he's. Well, you can't. And this he's, is as good as the program's ever been since I've been here. And through a pandemic, he still managed to raise money. And the four cutting sports, I get yeah. it, man. It's a divisive emotion. I feel terrible for those sports. I really do. If there was a way, I we could figure out a way to keep them. But, I mean, Captain, you deal with money more than I do. I mean, if the money's not there, but there's others who insist, oh, the money's there if they would let it be there. I get it. It's a very sensitive issue, but I just, I mean, I don't blame that all on Gary. I mean, do you guys? No, No, not at all. This has been, you know, I've got a different, you know, thing on the grease bomb thing. Um, You know, I think that he handled it. As anybody uh, at a university, most people do handle those, that kind of crap. And that's the problem with universities. Yes, he didn't keep a file on it because he didn't want to stop her from going. And I think uh, he somewhere. also maybe got a little complacent because he thinks yeah. most of his coaches and coworkers wanted them out. I know that to be true. I mean, yeah. they, want, they wanted Jane out, and I think Gary's like, oh, they're all on my side. Well, it's a little more complicated than that, yeah. as he found out. But, I mean, people hide crap in education. You know, you don't – well – Somebody just uh, in one of the school districts around here uh, is accused of uh, assaulting a student, sexual assault, and they bought him out of his contract, and it's not going to go on his record. This kind of crap happens in education Mm -hmm. all the time. 
he wanted her, my theory, you know, I don't have anything from him, but he wanted her to just go mm-hmm. and get another job and be done with it. And she didn't want so to, he, she, and yeah. she didn't think she should have to. Yeah, so she, he didn't put it in her file. So, yeah, no, it was a, uh, he made some serious mistakes. But I'm saying right now, he's always been a good fundraiser. And with what's going on with all these teams right now, I mean, this is as good as it's been. This is a great era for Hawkeye sports. And I don't think these are quick. These are like night and day rises. I think these a lot of these teams are built to win. Iowa yeah. baseball is built to win right now. Oh, yeah. Iowa women's basketball is built to win. I think men's basketball is built. I mean, Fran has consistently got the program in the NCAA tournament. Now it's just a matter of taking the next step. And I wrote something today. I'm kind of curious to get with your guys' opinion. I, it's not a knock on Kirk. You guys know me. I think Kirk made some mistakes with the racial stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also believe he deserves the chance to fix it. And I also believe in most ways Kirk is a good, honorable man and a good head coach. But it's time for Iowa to win a Big Ten title in football. It's been 17 years. Think about that. Yeah. It's uh, a long no, time. No, I agree. And another nine, you know, a, another nine or ten win season would be fine. But it's to the point now where those are not even that big of a deal anymore. Because when you stay at one place for so long, you better start. The bar to me raises because there's only so much left for Kirk to do. All that's left for him to do now is win a Big Ten title. He needs that. Uh, if they go nine and three this year, yeah, that's fine. But. Some people be like, yeah, we've been there, done that. That's the risk when you stay at a place. And the fact that his son is the offensive coordinator, to me, only fuels the oh, sure. ammunition against him. And on top of that, with the racial stuff, I think it's really time. Uh, an 8-4, and 7-5 and five season, even though it's far from disastrous, I don't think we'll go over real well right now because that's the risk you take when you stay in one place for so long. And I... 17 years, though, is a long time. 2004, Twitter hadn't been invented. Luca Garza was five the last time Iowa won a Big Ten title in football. Think about that. Yeah. I hadn't even started working. I was still four years well, from working here. Well, who was it that was in grade school when uh, Bohan... <laughs> When Bohan came, yeah, I think oh, no, Riley Mulvey, the guy yeah. Who yeah. was in sixth grade or something. <laughs> sixth grade, but I mean, the Stones were in their late fifties the last time Iowa yeah. won a Big Ten title, yeah. and oh, their which their means wives their wives were, were not even born yet. <laughs> I treated myself to a new uh, one of their from the vault CDs that they they've been releasing concerts from their Stones, nineteen seventy five LA Forum. I'm thinking this is going to be great. They're at the top of their game. They sucked. Really? Oh God! I Were mean, they wasted. Drunk. I mean, Keith Richards looked like Walking Death. They couldn't get to the mic to harmonize together. On think time. about it though. Mid seventies. Just yeah, it was all drug. Mid seventies yeah. coke. I mean, that was. And I'm reading the liner notes, and the, one of the reviewers like, oh, they have peaked now. They can't go any better. And I'm like, this is peaking for you. You know, I've the three years later, I've got some girls live in Texas, and they are just. On it, man. Yeah, some of them. I've to a couple dead shows where Jerry wasn't at his best. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, but why would you release? I mean, it's just awful. Actually, <laughs> funny you say that. I was channel surfing last night, and I happened to stumble upon the Ed Sullivan show in 1972, and they had yeah. the Stones on. Yeah, and I and. Ed Sullivan was just creepy. Are you sure he wasn't a vampire? <laughs> does he does he not look like a vampire? He would, though he really would break seen. into some personality on occasion. Yes, but what do you very mean? rarely. He would rarely. He, he would, would smile. He's like a play mummy. With yeah, the, yeah. Well, he showed some personality when Jim Morrison was on that night. Yeah, that's the night he went crazy and said, "You'll never be on my show." And he's like, "Well, we just were." <laughs> yeah. And then he vomited on him, peed on him, and then left. <laughs> Le- left him his stinky leather pants, and off he went. 
Uh, but man, I can't wait for concerts to get started again. I know. And we're almost there, right? I, yes, I have a... I have tickets to a show from a band called Southern Culture on the Skids. We're supposed to play at the Wildwood in May of 2020. Obviously, that That's got a long canceled. title for a band. Mo- moved to this month, and next thing I know, it's now in 2022. So I will have had these tickets for over two years wow. before I actually see them. Well, what are some of the big concerts coming? I mean, obviously, Genesis is touring. Yes. Who else is touring? Um, well, Toby Keith is going to be the first concert at the Extreme Arena. Um, I, I, Foreigner is I coming. Do you know what the tickets are going for? For Toby Keith? Yeah. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 300 up. Wow. I, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't pay to see him or Foreigner. Foreigner? Well, is that Lou Graham with a clutch I, fist? I, I don't think, think he's Lou with. Graham no, I with... don't think there's anybody with Foreigner. So they really are Foreigners. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think they. Yeah. Ariel Speedwagon's <laughs> coming to Cedar Rapids. Is it you still said, Kevin Cronin and yes. Gary Richards? Yeah, well, uh, died. He's, yeah, oh, he died. Dead. Yeah, their guitar oh, player's been. But they didn't care for each other. Was. Yeah. They didn't care for each other at the end of Sticks. Uh, without uh, without Tommy the, Shaw the young or Dennis DeYoung. No, they've been yeah. without Dennis DeYoung forever. Yeah, they're going to be touring Iowa. It just never ends. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's. They'll be yeah, out there. Yeah. If you had to see Foreigner or Ario, who are you picking? Ario. I think I would too. I've never Foreigner hot blooded. Well, Foreigner's a cover band. What about Double Vision? I you know, have it that on first occasion. album was kick ass. <laughs> I do too. Friday nights. <laughs> that first album was kick ass. After that, no thanks. What? All right. What songs were kick ass and we'll Cold discuss? as Ice. No. Feels like the first no. time was a great song and no. Long Long Way from Home is no. a is a damn fine song. Brutal. I need to go home and listen to Head message. Knocker. Message from you, Rudy, just I'm to just, cleanse okay, myself. Listen, comparing that to the rest of the foreigner albums. The, their debut is awesome. Cold as ice. Yeah, ice is cold. Yeah, I don't need Lou Graham to tell me, you know. <laughs> but actually, I turned on, I went and did a little surfing and got a little message from you, Rudy, live YouTube from 1982. Billy hated that. The I know he did. I know he did. But man, I love the specials. He said, whatever you do, if I pass, don't ever play the specials. <laughs> and then sadly, he passed. Yeah. I miss Billy. I do, I do How long has he been gone? Four years now. Wow. Yeah. Today. Four years today? Today. Jeez. Isn't that odd that we're just all of a sudden we started talking about him? Yeah. I think about him every Sunday when I'm sitting in that chair over there. Wow. Four years ago today, and then Buddy will be five years in July, my dog, which is hard to believe. Well, and Bud's birthday is uh, according to my That's today? Today. Yeah. God, this is just a sad. Yeah. Well, you what is today? May now. 3rd? Yep. Oh, yeah. This is a sad. And of course, tomorrow's Star Wars Day. What do you mean? May, May the fourth be with you. Is that when it came out? No, no it's, it's oh, people say May, May the fourth. I just you. never, of never got fourth. into that no. movie. I watched the first three, and after that, I, yeah, I gave it up. Yeah, you know, I watched the first three, and the last one. Well, I did go to the, the last one with puppets. Uh, no, I went to the last one with Harrison Ford and uh, Carrie Fisher when they were still okay. Yeah. I, I went to that one. My, Where Harrison Ford gets killed? Yeah, they kill him off. They off. kill off Han Solo. Yeah. That's and, the only way he said he'd do it is that they kill him off <laughs> so he didn't have to do Carrie it. Carrie Fisher's dead, right? Yeah, she's gone, yeah. too. Whereas Harrison Ford's like But she'll and... still be in some... Yeah. Yeah, she'll still They'll be make it there. work. Yeah. And Harrison Ford's like, what, about in his early 80s? He is... Eight, 80. I think he's 80. Yeah. And he just made that movie with the imaginary dog, yep. Call of the Wilderness. now he's making... Uh, Another Indiana Jones <laughs> movie. Indiana no, Jones. are you serious? The Indiana Jones. They need to do Fugitive Part 2. <laughs> they show him like walking out of the church. <laughs> yeah. He's using a walker to get out. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy yes. Lee Jones is chasing him in like a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm 
scooter. <laughs> yeah. That movie came they're, out. They're like rascals years. chasing each other. That movie's 28 years old. Well, how in the hell is he going to do it in the. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, the uh, are they going to have the son in there? I, I'm sure. I well, I don't know. Shia, Shia LaBeouf or whatever his name is. I, yeah. I don't know what his acting. Uh, <laughs> well, you keep he telling Nazis. me, when is this next Lethal Weapon coming out? I don't know. It was supposed to be out, but I oh, think it's co- it'll, probably the fall. Unlethal weapon. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> all Mel Gibson all does is yell racial stuff when he gets gonna, mad. All it is, I guess he's just holding gonna, an edible I ball. guess there's going to be a new uh, uh, Die Hard movie called Die Already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never watched Die Hard. I've never oh, seen that one. I like Die Hard. Not a big Bruce Willis fan. Never have been. See, I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe you two can... Willis break out. He loves Die Hard. <laughs> maybe if you watch, oh, if he watch, I don't know if I love it. I just never saw it. If you watch uh, Die Hard, maybe he'll watch right White Boy yeah, Rick yeah. for you. I, uh, I no. well, it, I, I'll I, say I did. I think what he would do is I think he would watch it, but he wouldn't give me the satisfaction <laughs> of knowing it would be his little secret. <laughs> you know, he may have already seen it. But you never, we'll never know. know. You never know. <laughs> Suter and Ann will definitely watch it someday. I yes. think. I think basically he's just waiting for Ann's approval, and then once Ann says okay, we'll watch it, and then they'll watch it. My guess is they won't like it. And then the more that they don't like it, the more I will like it. That's there usually how it works here. <laughs> Music, movies. No, but I agree with you guys on a lot of movies. I mean, I, I, I really do. Um, more so than we agree on music. And I do agree with you guys on some music. You know, yep. I mean, it's not like I don't like any of the stuff you guys play. I mean, sometimes you guys will put some good, <laughs> sometimes you guys will put some good music on. Yep, I'm just not big into the stuff that just seems immensely popular, like the <laughs> Taylor but, Swift and yeah, the Steve Mandy Bo- Moore or Mindy or the Perry Girl stuff like that. I just <laughs> the that Perry stuff just, Girl stuff like that just the 35 year old Perry Girl. That's how old she is now. Yeah. Well, I'm in my like mid 50s, so yeah. Yeah. God, three, like, well, how old's Taylor Swift now? 30. Oh, she's only 30? What'd she start performing when she was like six? Uh, she started performing when she was like uh, 15. Wow. Seriously. Well, I mean, it's hard to argue with the results. Somebody yeah. likes her. Yeah. yeah. But that's the beauty of music, though. We all have our... Exactly. You can you can do that and then go into a little corner and, and listen to, uh, you know, Gigi Allen. There you go. I started Googling to see her age, Mindy Perry. <laughs> God damn <laughs> Honest to God. You've ruined them. <laughs> I did. I saw, Captain, you sent me that picture of the underpass. How much do you think Katy Perry's worth? $200 million. 250 $330. Wow. Captain, you sent me that photo of the underpass with a Gigi Allen. Yeah. yeah and then somebody that? else sent me a tweet of a lady whose name is Gigi, and she had no idea that there was another Gigi Allen out there, and she she had just been she had just found out about who she's like, oh great man, I can't believe I got this name. That was kind of funny. I'm sure obviously you see women with the initials Gigi a yeah, lot, sure. and, and her name was A L L I N, which I found wow. kind of funny. So, but but again, God, it's already ten thirty. Thanks again to Coach P, Coach Patterson for his great insight on spring football, and Coach Lisa Salucci as the Iowa women advance to the final four, final four in field hockey, and now face a tough. Tough, tough task at North Carolina, but hey, it's why you play them. That's right. You, you never know. I mean, they've got a good defensive team. I mean, it only takes one day to be better than the team, so we'll see what happens, but they've already had a great season. Hawk Fanatic, check it out. It's free. <laughs>